Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm happy you joined us on our podcast today of This Week in the Word, which can be found at dredhill.podbean.com. I'm recording this episode on Sunday, November 8, 2020, right after the elections in the United States. And if you're an American, you are completely aware of everything that has gone on in the last week or so in our country regarding the elections. Well, let's talk about that just a moment before we get into our episode today. I've entitled our episode today, Pilgrims in Babylon. I'm praying and working for a free and fair election where every legal, valid vote is accurately counted and all possible election fraud is exposed and prosecuted. But first, it has to be investigated, right? So you know that the Trump administration is going to the courts. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. But no matter what the final results are, America is about to experience suffering. Everybody, all of us, if the left actually implements their final plans or if Trump emerges as the actual winner, (laughs) imagine the chaos that's ahead. Buckle up, baby. So I thought it would be great to begin a verse-by-verse podcast series about suffering, pilgrims in Babylon. We're going to go verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, through the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter in the Bible. So let's ask a question. Who was this Peter that wrote 1 and 2 Peter in the New Testament in the Bible. Who is Peter? Well, I could go into massive detail, but I choose not to do that. I'll just give you homework. If you will read what are called the Gospels in the New Testament in the Christian Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also the book of Acts, you will find out who Peter was in detail And I I encourage you to do that. But the short answer is Peter was a fisherman in Israel when Christ came to the earth to be our Savior. He met the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he became a disciple, a learner from Jesus Christ during the Lord's earthly ministry. But he was made an apostle, that is a hand-picked messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ after the resurrection of Christ. So he was a fisherman, a disciple, an apostle, and finally he was a martyr for Christ, just as the Lord Jesus Christ had predicted, where he was crucified for his faith in Christ, And tradition has it that he felt so unworthy to be killed in the same way the Lord Jesus Christ was that he asked to be crucified upside down. 
the the Lord inspired Peter as an apostle to write First and Second Peter, and it was written somewhere between A.D. sixty and A.D. sixty seven by Peter as he was inspired by the Spirit. Now, where was Peter when he wrote First Peter? Well, according to First Peter five thirteen. He, he says he's in Babylon. Now, that may be Babylon, the actual city geographically, but wherever he was, he was in heaven spiritually. His heart, mind, and soul completely captured by the Lord Jesus Christ. He may have been possibly literally walking in the area of Babylon, but in heaven, that's where his heart was spiritually. Now, Babylon is also used as a euphemism for the corrupt world system which hates God and and hates all who love him. We who are making our way through this world are not permanent residents here. We are pilgrims, travelers in Babylon through this world system. Our trials prove our faith, and prepare us for the inheritance we will receive at death or at the rapture of the church, which is uh, possibly coming sooner than we may think if the world goes quickly in the direction of global government. I know that the Lord is coming for his church. He's coming prior to the tribulation, prior to the 70th week of Daniel, as taught by Daniel the prophet, about 2,500, excuse me, um, about 500 years before the birth of Christ. So um, that event may happen sooner than we think. There was a great Bible theologian and writer named William Barclay, And he quoted a great passage here in one of his books that was from an early Christian writing that was not part of the Bible, but it, it was known. Listen to this quote if you're struggling with the concept of a pilgrim. What's a pilgrim? Those People who dress funny who landed in America and, and, uh, and helped found America? Uh, well, they were pilgrims because they knew they had no permanent home in this world. They were heading to heaven. They also knew politically, literally, in England they had no home because they were persecuted there. And so they were pilgrims traveling to America to find spiritual and religious freedom. So there's a lot wrapped up in that idea. But William Barclay quoted this. Now, now listen to this. This is a profound explanation of what it means to be a pilgrim in Babylon. They inhabit the lands of their birth, but as temporary residents of it. They take their share of all responsibilities as citizens and endure all disabilities as aliens. Every foreign land is their native land, and every native land a foreign land. They pass their days upon earth, but their citizenship 
is in heaven. Wow. So there's three major points that I want to make before we read the first chapter of First Peter. Here's number one. These are four ideas that are very clearly taught in First Peter 1 and 2. Trials, endurance, suffering, glory. Because we're pilgrims in Babylon, we go through many difficulties and trials because of our faith in Christ. And as we go through these, the Lord enables us to go through them with endurance, where we don't collapse under the load. We are able to to bear up under the load and just get get through it. And this, this involves suffering for Christ. Trials, endurance, suffering, followed by glory with the Lord. Both of my sons, I'm very proud to say, when they graduated from high school, they were in um, ROTC in their high school. And both of them, when they graduated from high school, volunteered for military service in our country, in America. My oldest son, when he got out of high school, volunteered to serve in the United States Army. And I'm so proud of John. Unfortunately, he, he was not allowed to do so due to hearing loss, which baffles me. But anyway, that was not to be the Lord's will for John. My younger son, Steve, when he graduated from high school, volunteered to serve in the United States Marine Corps. And he did not have a hearing issue, and so he went into the Marine Corps. I'm proud of both of my sons. But let me tell you about Steve's experience at the United States Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island, South Carolina. I asked Steve at his graduation, as I saw, he took us on the part of the crucible and the training areas they had, and as I just comprehended the, the physical difficulty of doing what they had to do while being screamed at by enraged drill instructors, I just told Steve, I pulled him aside, I said, Steve, when I was 19, I could not have done what you did. But at Paris, and he said something very funny. He said, he said, oh, the physical part was easy. He said it was, it was the knuckleheads who would do things wrong and get us all in trouble that was the hardest part. <laughs> Only my son, a high school football player and wrestler, could have made that statement. The physical part was easy. I enjoyed it. I think he actually said that, and I just thought, good night. All right, they have there at the end the crucible. The crucible is, uh, I can't remember how many hours, I think it's 24 hours, but it's a long time with no sleep. And they are forced to their absolute, utter physical limits to get through the crucible. They are being tested for approval. Well, why do they do that, Pastor Ed? Here's why. At the end of the crucible, 
where the, through the crucible they're tested for approval, but at the end of the crucible, they will receive their eagle, anchor, and globe at the Iwo Jima Memorial on Paris Island. They are no longer recruits. They are Marines. If you want to see what that's like, you can go to YouTube and Google the, the Crucible and Iwo Jima Memorial on Paris Island, and you will see many uh, uh, videos of this. And no one it does not have tears in their eyes because they've gone through the trials, they've endured it, they've suffered, and they experienced the reward of being declared United States Marines. Once a Marine, always a Marine. That's just like what we go through in this world. Our trials, our endurance, that we patiently go through these, our suffering for Jesus Christ, to be followed by glory that I cannot even explain. That's the first concept. Here's the second concept. This earth is not my home. I am just passing through. I'm on my way home as I go through this world. Believers in Jesus Christ are in this world, but not of this world. As a toddler, and again later as a teenager, because my father was a United States soldier, I lived in West Germany. But I was not of West Germany, for my earthly citizenship was in another place, America. In the same way, we as believers in Christ go through this world but our true citizenship is not here. It's in another place, heaven. Though we live here as good temporary citizens under the governments of this world, our real permanent citizenship is in heaven, for Jesus is our king. We live here for a heavenly king and heavenly country. Now, you want to know something? This upsets those who love this world, but it delights those who love Christ. Here's the third concept. I hope you're taking these in before we read through 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's the third concept. The concept of... Um, the, the contrast, let's say, between the temporary and the permanent, the unstable and the unshakable. If Peter was literally writing from Babylon, maybe he was, or maybe he meant that um, euphemistically, metaphorically, spiritually, but we don't know. But if Peter was literally writing from Babylon, he could see the dusty ruins of one of the greatest world empires. This world comes and goes, but God, the Bible, the gospel, and those born again in Christ will abide forever. We win. Amen. Let's read 
all the way through 1 Peter chapter 1. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to concentrate on, uh, I think, the first nine verses. But let's read all the way through 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm reading from the King James Version. I'm not a King James only guy, but I grew up with this and my Bible memories from it. Maybe you have a different translation, but anyway, here we go. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, 
For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. Let's go back and let's go through verses uh, 1 through 9 quickly here. And I hope this is already a blessing to your heart here in this passage. All right, so let's break this down again as we go through it here or break it down for the first time, I should say. Let's do that here. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to make comments as I read through this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter's no longer just a fisherman, just a disciple. He is an apostle, an official, inspired representative, like an ambassador, a messenger of Jesus Christ. So what he's about to say is not just Peter's thoughts, it's Jesus speaking through him by his Spirit. He writes to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are the pilgrims that I entitle this, Pilgrims in Babylon. These are the pilgrims that are scattered everywhere. Just as the Jewish people had been scattered, so these Christians, perhaps Jews and also Gentiles as well, for sure, they are also similarly scattered throughout the Roman Empire. I looked up, where was Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia? It's where modern-day Turkey is right now. And you remember that the Apostle John wrote to the seven churches of what? Asia. So this is a very important place where the gospel has now moved hundreds and hundreds of miles out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, into the world, across the Roman Empire. And this was a significant center of Christianity. And Peter writes to them, he calls him the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knows and chooses those who will be saved. Now, I do not want to get into the whole election and you know, saved and lost. That is not my purpose right here today. We'll do that another time. But I want you to know, if you're a Christian today, God 
chose you in his foreknowledge, but also elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has set us apart for God. We are, and if this irritates you who are not Christians, I'm good with that. We are special. <laughs> As believers in Christ, he has set us apart. We are, we are set apart for a special purpose for God through sanctification of the Spirit. We've been made holy by the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been saved by the sacrifice, the sacrificial death of the sinless Lord Jesus Christ who rose again the third day from the death, literally, and this proved that the Father accepted his sacrifice that paid for our sins. I'm loving that. Amen. By the way, for those who say, well, the Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, God, the Father, then we see the Spirit, and then right here in this verse, we see Jesus Christ. How plain does it need to be? There is the Trinity right there. Well, anyway, he writes to these people, the elect, they're sanctified, they're sprinkled with the blood of Christ, and he says, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. These were the two greetings of Gentiles and Jewish people. And he wants grace and peace to just explode in our lives. The lives of those he wrote to. And, and then today, as we read this, it can be true for us as well. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, man. God's mercy. Uh, you know, people are screaming today for justice. What a dumb idea. I know what they mean. I really know what they mean. Trust me. But when people demand justice, be careful. If we got justice, this world would be vacant. <laughs> we all deserve to be gone and in hell. Thankfully, we've been shown the mercy of God as he, he borned us again. He generated us again. We, you know, we were born physically into this world lost, but God has born us again spiritually. And we have a living hope. Why? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus Christ had not risen, all of this would be pointless. He's no longer dead. He rose again. They say, well, how do you know that? Because Peter saw him. Peter was willing to be crucified because he knew Jesus was alive. Amen. So the resurrection of Christ assures us this is all true, and it's, it is God's plan. Verse 4. So, so we've got this living hope because we've been born again by God. And it's, verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow. I've never, I don't think I've, well, I, I have inherited something, several things, I guess. 
But nobody's ever called me up and said, hey, you have a rich uncle you didn't know about it. He died and he left you a billion dollars. Uh, that ain't happened yet. But it's going to happen. <laughs> Why? Verse 4. I, because Jesus Christ died and rose again and I'm heaven bound, I'm a pilgrim passing through, I'm going to my inheritance. It's incorruptible. That is, it's not going to like decay and just disappear. It's undefiled. I mean, it's perfect. It's not tainted in any way. And it, it, fade, it it's not fading away. It's not going to, like, well, it was great while it lasted. It's, it's forever that fate is not away. Also, it's reserved in heaven for me and for you if you believe in Christ. It's kept there. Nobody's going to steal it. It's not going anywhere. God's not going to say, okay, never mind, I take it back. It's reserved in heaven for me and you. Amen. Verse 5. And, and who are we? We are the ones, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh man, what a verse. Who are kept. That is, we are guarded by the power of God. That power, the word there is, is where we get our word uh, dynamo from. It is an enabling power. It is, a, it is a power to get the job done. God can get this done for us. He can get us there, amen, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Some people are wondering what time is it prophetically. I don't think it's five minutes to midnight. I feel like, I don't have anything to, you know, God hasn't told me, and he hasn't told you either. But I feel like, it's not five minutes to midnight. It's not even a minute to midnight. It may be seconds to midnight before the Lord Jesus Christ returns for his church. And prophetic things roll on and the Lord returns to take over this world. Amen. I'm loving that. Verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. I'm excited about heaven, but you know what? Maybe for a while, I'm going to go through a tough time. I may, be, I may be sorrowful or weighed down through manifold temptations. What is that? Now here, this is not talking about where Satan tries to... Um, it's, it's not so much talking about where Satan tries to get me to sin. It's, it's more talking about the, the many-colored... That's what the word manifold, the various colored, uh, polycolored, the many colored temptations. What are those? The trials. If you live for Christ in this world, people are going to kick you in the shins and kick you in the teeth, and some of them would gladly kill you if God allowed it. Many of our brethren around the world are literally going through this right now and i believe we are on track for that in america it might not happen next week next month or even this year we're heading in that direction wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations multicolored trials 
that the trial or the testing of your faith, and that's a, a trial to prove that it's real, just like a jeweler says, let's test this gold, let's test this diamond. It's not, a, not so much to prove that they're fake, it's to prove they're the real thing. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, what, the gold? No, it's talking about your faith. It's a trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This appearing, by the way, I believe refers primarily to the return of Christ, literally to this earth to take over. He's not coming back to take sides. He is coming to take over. He is large and will be in charge. Amen. I believe it refers ultimately to that, but we also know that Christ himself in the upper room on the night of his betrayal in John 14 promised that he would return and take his church home. And that's the rapture of the church. Paul spoke about that at length in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 17. He spoke about it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses uh, 51 to 58, I think it is. He talked about it in Titus and so forth. So it is a real doctrine. Christ spoke of it himself, and he inspired the New Testament writers to speak of it as well. Well, when Christ returns, whether I'm living at the rapture and he takes me home then, or it's the second coming and we come back uh, with him or we're on the earth. Uh, actually, I won't be on the earth when that happens. I'll be raptured or I may be, may be dead before then. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to get into all that eschatological chronology. But when I see Jesus, it's going to be great. Amen. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want to hear Jesus Christ say to me, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to cast the crowns, crowns and rewards he gives me at his feet. It's going to be great. Verse 8. Whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm getting so happy today thinking about this. If, if, if it's my time to go and God sends the bus today to go to heaven, I want to be the first one on board. I can't wait to go to heaven. I mean that with all my heart. Because Peter had seen Christ, and he loved him. I've never seen Jesus Christ, and I love him with Peter. And he says, though ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's how I'm feeling this morning on Sunday, November 8th. No matter what goes on in the world around me, that's my heart. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 
that verse there is talking about the the goal of our faith, receiving the goal of your faith. That's what the word in there means in Greek. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know what, friends? One day, it's all going to be over for me and for you. And I want to receive the goal of my faith, the salvation of my soul. I want to experience that. Now, I'm saved. I'm born again. But I want to I want to know that I'm in heaven with Jesus, heart, body, mind, soul, and spirit. Amen. Listen, I've, I've gone from teaching to preaching. I hope you enjoyed it. It was good. <laughs> now listen, as this world system marches relentlessly to the final human global government that Jesus Christ will destroy at his return, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. Now, if you can't look up, you can't do that because you're not a believer, then you need Christ. You need him because he is sure, he is stable, and he is the victor. I want to invite you to call this number and get spiritual help. 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720. Call that number and someone will help you with your spiritual concerns. And hopefully, if you're not a Christian today, you can become a true believer, born again in Jesus Christ. For those of us who are believers, we're pilgrims in Babylon. We're just passing through on our way home to heaven. When we go through trials, just endure them, suffer for the glory of Christ, and experience His rewards for us with Him forever in heaven. Thank you for listening in today. Please tell other people about our podcast. Nobody knows where it is. <laughs> it can be found on many places where podcasts can be uh, downloaded. Hey, the easiest way to get somebody on this is just tell them, hey, type in the search bar, www.dredhill.podbean.com, and they'll find us. Thanks again. God bless you. May you walk in the power and the rejoicing of Jesus Christ this week, no matter what happens in the world around you. God bless you. Bye-bye.